Hour number two of Canuck Central is brought to you by, you know it, Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk to Chris Faber yep. coming up in a second, but we might have to give him a few minutes. He's uh, he's nearing death, as he as he says on Twitter that his elevator is not working, so he has to walk off all the stairs, and he took a photo <laughs> of level 25. <laughs> And he says, my elevator is broken and I'm nearly dead. So uh, hopefully we get a live and kicking Chris Faber in a few minutes. All three of the elevators. <laughs> 25 flights. Is that about like the, the grouse grind? Mm, no. Uh, no? No. Grind is more? Yes. Yeah. By a few. But, but, okay, so w- what floor do you have to be on to not take the stairs as an option? Ooh, I am, uh, I'm on the fifth floor, which is actually the fourth floor in my building, but okay. we don't have a fourth floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I generally take the stairs every time. Yeah. I'm on the fourth floor. Yeah. I generally take the stairs. Now, if I have to go to parking, yeah, that's more complicated. So I wait for the elevator, but generally like I'm, I'm, I'm a stairs know, guy. If I, if I'm, uh, if I'm on a 10th floor or something like that, I'm probably not taking the stairs. Yeah. I'm with you. Like probably like six or so, seven. Yeah. That's kind of the cutoff. Because <laughs> also, I got to think about time, right? So uh, the extra one minute I could spend yeah. on the stairs See, really it, cramping my lifestyle. You know? So I, I don't live in a tall building. It's like a six-story building. Yeah, um, it's a new building, but it only has one elevator. Mm. So for me, because I'm on the fourth floor, I don't care. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. So sometimes I'll go and hit the elevator, and I'm like, it's just taking like 20 seconds. <laughs> I should take the stairs. So the uh, the gym in my building is on the second floor. And you, like, you can't get on to the, the second floor from the stairs, so you have to take the elevator. I feel like such a schlub always taking the, the <laughs> stair, like taking the elevator to go down two floors. Like not even. It's basically a floor. It's very frustrating. Yeah, it can be. But hey, it's good, good cardio. Um, speaking of time consumption and life convenience uh well actually let's get to uh chris faber here we're gonna talk about the thing i yes. told you about earlier yes I i'm was. very mad about this <laughs> little tease for later on uh let's bring in uh chris faber here uh you hear him on uh, the canucks warm-up well just the warm-up now on uh weekends here on sports at 650 and uh, canucks conversation podcast as well as canucks army you find his great work over there faber how, how how are you doing right now after flying up 25 stairs yeah, that that was not what I was expecting. Uh, right before I said, I am soaking wet in sweat. I can feel like new muscles coming into my calves right now. It's not good. And uh, yeah, I just caught my breath, so I'm good. Uh, I'm all right now. But how does how do three elevators go down at once? Mm. I don't know, I was, like, man. Telling Josh about the beautiful view from the 25th floor that I have, and now I just, I hate it so much. Uh, here's the here, right. here's the thing though. Nothing worse than getting stuck in an elevator. So having to take the stairs rather than potentially getting stuck in an elevator, I like the stairs are the better option here. The better of two oh. evils. No, I would have done four hours in an elevator. And <laughs> I, 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 I'm not even the 25th floor. My parking's on four floors down, so I'm like 30 floors by the end of this. <laughs> no chance I would have done that. I would have stuck in. I would have stayed in an elevator for like what is it, 127 hours like uh, James Franco in The Rock? I would have rather done that. You would have rather cut off your arm and walk up <laughs> to 30 flights of stairs. Oh, no, that's, that's good. I don't have to go to the gym later, so that's great. 
<laughs> you got you got your sweat in. That's uh, that's good. Uh, Chris Favor joining us uh, here on uh, Canucks Central. So you've been following the Abbotsford Canucks all year long, as closer than anybody else, really. And um, you know it was a disappointing end uh, to the year last year, last week, and the way they got swept out by Bakersfield. What um, what's been the prevailing feeling coming out of that, and now hearing from Ryan Johnson, and even today from Trent Call. Yeah, I think looking at both of them is just like both of them kind of mentioned that they've been let down. They're both feeling pretty bitter about it. I mean, this Abbotsford Canucks team was really primed to be not only like a team that should go on a deep run, but a lot of people were pegging them as the favorite to win the Calder Cup in the AHL. And uh, a huge letdown, obviously, uh, from what they go into and finish the season with two horrible performances in Manitoba and then follow that up with like games that were pretty close against Bakersfield, but that was only because Spencer Martin was incredible. Like they were severely outplayed and definitely game one, game two looked a little bit better for them, but that's a team that they should be able to beat on paper, you know, nine times out of 10, it feels like in a series. I mean, you, you had a good goaltending matchup between Stuart Skinner, who's obviously a good goaltending prospect for the Oilers, but Spencer Martin's been excellent all season long and proved that at the NHL as well. So it's just the feeling from both Trent Cole and Ryan Johnson has been that this is just a massive disappointment from their team and their performance in the playoffs. Well, and it has to be viewed that way with the amount of money that was spent the first season and, you know, the year they had, generally speaking. And the other fact is, it's not like they're developing a ton of prospects. I mean, Danila Klimovic, we'll get into him here uh, in a second, but obviously he didn't play a ton. He's one guy who's developing. Rathbone's another guy, DiPietro and the goalies and stuff. But when you're when you're built to have success in your first year and you're not really focused on a ton of players to develop, it's got to sting a bit extra because you can't just hold, you can't fall back on, hey, at least we have five or six guys that are close to playing in the NHL. Yeah, no, I'm, exactly right. You have five or six guys that you hope can get to the NHL at one point, and it's not like we're finishing this season and saying, like, those five or six are about to graduate. We're finishing the season saying, looking at those five or six and saying, hey, why did Jet Wu play forward in the playoffs? Why did Danilo Klinovich not play in the playoffs? You know, there, there's a couple of guys that you can honestly take away from success stories for this season. I mean, getting Jack Rathbone to play regular minutes, that was great to see and be able to play consistent games. I mean, think about Jack Rathbone coming into the NHL and after he signed, like it, it basically was just COVID for the first two years of his career. It, it's wild to think that Jack Rathbone's coming into a season next year for like, to me, it feels like a, like a fresh start almost for him as he should be an NHLer. And Will Lockwood getting an opportunity was big, but like Mikey DiPietro, you can't really look at his season as, as something that you call a, a real success story. It was good to see him play games because he didn't play any games the year before. So like looking at it from that way, yeah, it's a good success story. But you mentioned it, you'd like to see a team like that that plays so well have five or six players that look like they're ready to graduate to the NHL, but it just doesn't feel like that for the Canucks' top prospects this year. It, it was a big letdown. I mean, they played a really good finish of the season. The final 42 games, they ended up winning 29 of those. And uh, a really strong finish for a team that came together and played good hockey, but this team needed to do more. Like this team was loaded with trip with quad A talent, guys that were just borderline NHL AHLers and Nick Batan uh, and looking at the two Sheldons over there and Rempel and Drys, like this team was loaded and looked like they should have gone on a deep run and that would have really helped the young players in the spots where maybe Mikey DiPietro gets some games, maybe Klimovich finally gets some games. It just it didn't really play out the way that a lot of people were hoping for with the money that was invested into them. And now they have to perform next year because we heard from Jim Rutherford that Francesco Aquilini is very happy to put some money into 
into this AHL team, and he's really important. Like it's a really important thing to the ownership that they want to have good hockey out in the Fraser Valley here in the province of British Columbia. Now they need to back it up with their play and development on the ice. It's not just about finishing and getting to the playoffs. It has to be about getting to the playoffs, but also developing your prospects if you're going to have money invested in the AHL team. So where's where's the disconnect here? Because you know the the, the new regime, all they've done is sing Ryan Johnson's praises since since coming in and feels like you know they're they're pretty happy with the job Trent Call has done as well as head coach you know why why isn't this working and uh, at the same time why is why is everybody still happy with with the job that's being done it's all about how you look at it right like if you look at the last 5 6 years and developing players for the NHL you point at Jonah or you know Ryan Johnson and Trent Call they both point at like Jonah Gadjevich Zach McEwen Cole Lind and when I look at those three players, I see three players that are fighting for an NHL the spot in an NHL lineup on three teams that didn't make the playoffs. So if that's your, your big success story that you're pointing on, it is kind of tough to see. I mean, you can look at Thatcher Demko. I guess you could call him developing through the team a little bit in the AHL. That's obviously a big success story if you want to lean on that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's strange because if you look at it just as like the AHL team being, say you're just an Abbotsford and you want to just watch good hockey and follow the local team, you loved what Trent Cole did this year with a lot of these players. I mean, Sheldon Rempel, Sheldon Drives, they both have career years. John Stevens scores almost three times as many points as he ever has in an AHL season. Like, Trent Cole got a lot out of his top, you know, quad A players that are borderline NHL, AHL players. He got a lot out of those guys. He really did. He got a really good season from Noah Juleson in the AHL. But to me, it's, it's not really like the way that I look at this AHL team as an organization, taking a step back and looking at the organization – you'd like to see the ultimate goal be develop players that help you win a Stanley Cup in the end, right? To me, it's not about the Calder Cup. That's not the final goal that I look at the AHL team. And there's a lot of people, obviously, in that organization that, that do look at that. That's one of the ultimate goals for a lot of people probably in, in Abbotsford is to, hey, win the Calder Cup. That's huge for us, and it would definitely help development. But to me, like the ultimate goal needs to be developing players who get to the NHL and help you win a Stanley Cup. Because as an organization, that's the ultimate goal that you should look and, and take steps towards getting to. Well, how do you think they handled through that lens? How do you think they've handled Klimovich this year? I mean, it's easy to say he should have played this guy more. I do buy into the notion of, hey, sometimes a guy's not ready. He needs to take a step back and physically, mentally, all that sort of stuff. And he's an 18-year-old. So I, I do understand giving them some license to do the right thing by him. But do you think they were too conservative with him? Should they have maybe played him more this season, you think? Yeah, I mean, like, I was really... I think I, I struggled with it at the start of the year, wondering why he wasn't going to go to uh, the QMJHL and play in the CHL and develop that way. But uh, you did get some clarity, uh, I think, a little bit later on from Ryan Johnson talking about the development of Klinovich. And it was, you know, he could have gone to the Q and he would have been a great scorer. Like, he would have scored a ton of goals in the QMJHL. But would he have developed, you know, pro tendencies while playing in the Q? Because he would have gotten away with a lot of things. He's a huge body with a with a good shot, like he would have ripped up the QMJHL and he needed to work on a lot of things to, to get towards that pro level. And I do think that there was steps taken in the right direction. Like he definitely, he definitely needs to work on just being harder on pucks in the defensive zone, not giving up on plays, knowing that he has to engage in his own zone to, to create turner turnovers. Like something that Elias Pedersen obviously does so well is watching him create offense from his own zone. It's something that we hear all the time, but it's something that you can clearly see with Pedersen, the way that he gets his game going is, you know, making good plays in his own zone and starting to turn pucks over for himself to create the, 
the offensive plays that he wants to see. And for Klimovic, it, it just felt like the game, like the game had to be put on a silver platter for him a lot this year for him to have success. And and he needs to work. Like he needs to work this off season. He's going to be in the AHL next year. As much as people want to say that he can, you know, make the jump and get to the NHL, he is very far away from being an, an NHL player. But the really good news about Klimovic is that he just turned 19. Like he. There should be no rush for this kid. He's going to need like at least another year or two, maybe three in the AHL before we see him develop into an NHL player because he needs to work on those things that they started working on him with this year, and that's showing him how to be a pro not only in the offensive zone because he has a lot of the skills. Like when he when he gets a shot off where, where he really gets everything behind it, it's an electric shot. It is an NHL shot. It's a shot that you would see on an NHL power play but it's got to be more consistent and he's got to be better in his own zone before he even gets a sniff of the NHL. Yeah. And I think we, we saw that going all the way back to, to training camp when he really made an impression. And the idea of just how young he is is where the context has to come in because he's 18 and he, and we knew he was going to be super raw when they made the draft pick. So it's, it's hard to make that immediate jump. It's hard for any player to make that immediate jump into pro hockey from wherever they're playing when getting drafted and and here he is so i just i feel like sometimes there's just too much expectation on players yeah and i think ryan johnson even talked about that like having the difference of i I don't know the way that he worded this and i don't want to make it too wrong but he was saying like the you know the the hockey that he played at before he never was was kind of given like a coach who is really gonna you know be very gentle with him almost kind of the way that Trent Cole was with here. Like you hear Trent Cole talk about it all the time with Klimovich. He said it today, like for him, the first half of the year was literally just being like a father figure for Klimovich and learning what it's like in North America and how to adjust to things over here. This is an 18 year old kid, like an at, like literally a kid. He was a kid coming in here uh, and just, just happened to be like a six foot three, very big kid mm-hmm. uh, with a strong shot. And like, there's a lot of work that needs to, to happen for him, but you can you could see it in practice. You could see it in warm-ups. You could see certain things where he just – he does certain things, and you're like, wow, like that's why they drafted him. Like they drafted him because of that shot. They drafted him because of his offensive creativity. It's just consistency is going to need to be levels and levels above before he even starts to have the conversation of being an NHL player. And I, I think there was development throughout the season. I just think that there's a lot of it to go. It's not just going to be one year in the AHL. He's going to come into camp next year and crack the Vancouver Canucks. That's that's not going to happen, unfortunately, as much as I'd love to see it. But he's going to stay, which is really good news, hearing that Klimovich is going to stay in Vancouver uh, all off season. He's going to be working at Rogers Arena quite a bit from what we've heard. Uh, Dan Milstein told me that he's going to be able to get ice whenever he wants, uh, and that's really good news for mm-hmm. Daniel Klimovich, who's going to end up staying in Vancouver and being able to work all off season with the Canucks. And I do expect to see a an improved player come training camp. I'm just not really confident that it's going to be like some people thinking he's going to be an NHLer by the end of this offseason. Yeah, I think the the best case scenario, if we're being you know if we're being really honest about it, is that maybe he gets a call up at the end of the next season. If he plays well enough to get a couple of games at some point next year, if that happens, he's had a tremendous best case scenario year because I think it's ridiculous to assume he's going to come in and make the NHL out of camp next year. And if he does that, to me, that's a win for his season. Well, I just want to see him crush the AHL, well, you know, well, before well, you, any of that. Well, right? you crush the AHL, then you'll get a couple of games at yeah. some point. Well, the thing is, like, I, I wouldn't even say he gets a couple of games at the end of next year. I'd like to see him in the top six. Like, yeah, I'd like to see yeah. him play top six hockey in the AHL. That's what I want to see next year. I, I, I'd like to see that near the end of the season next year. I'd like to see him play with some of these players because I'm sure they're going to invest a lot of money mm-hmm. into these top-end players of the AHL. 
I'd like to see Klimovic get to a point where maybe he's playing with Sheldon Dryden, Sheldon Rempel, uh, you know, instead of on a fourth line with Vinny Arsenault and, and Chase Waters. Like, no offense to those guys. I like them, and I think they bring a lot to the NHL lineup. But that's not where Klimovic should be playing. But because he wasn't able to, to adjust defensively, he had mm-hmm. to play in a fourth-line role when he was playing in Abbotsford. I, I want to see him in the top-line forum next year in the NHL. That's kind of the goal for me is just not even that, just top six, like, He's going to get power play time, right? No matter if he's playing on the fourth line or what, they're going to play him on the power play because the shot's just too good. But the dude needs to sort of adjust either his game or or something else that's going to make him feel like he either needs to figure out how he can be a bottom six player or he's got to get a lot more consistent at scoring to be a top six player in the NHL. Yeah, and what, I mean, the one guy that, you know, obviously is very close to being an NHL player is Jack Rathbone. How do you assess his overall season with everything that happened, making the big club, then getting sent down, all the injuries, of course. We even heard Rutherford mention him maybe being on the big club next season. How would you assess Rathbone and how that trends towards next training camp? Yeah, like kind of like I said a little bit earlier, the, the best part about watching Rathbone play, aside from the injury, was that you could see what Jack Rathbone looked like in a rhythm finally like in the blue and green you could see what he looked like when he was playing his best hockey and being able to be on the ice a lot and control the puck a lot it it was really nice to see and I I think there was major improvements to the way that Jack Rathbone I I don't want to just say like defense but almost the way that he was so aggressive at defending like I don't think Jack Rathbone's gonna be the guy who's going to you know, outbody every guy in the corner and push guys around in front of the net. But when he's defending the rush, there was more and more as the season went on, he was stepping up before the player would get to the blue line and forcing, you know, either somebody to go offside or just make the make a fumble happen with the puck and be able to, to just disrupt offense coming into his zone. I think that's going to have to be his game. Like, I know that I hate throwing this comparison around because some people do it, but, like, it, it is in a similar way to how Quinn Hughes defends. And, like, Rathbone's got some more size than Quinn Hughes, but the way that Quinn Hughes was so aggressive on pucks when defending this year, just using his stick, it doesn't need to just be your body when you're defending. And I think Rathbone learned a lot of that. I know that there was a lot of video work done. Uh, Ian Beckenstein is the one that was shouted out today in Trent Call's availability, who's been doing analytics and video work for them. I know that Rathbone has done a lot of work with Ian, and he's a big boost to the organization. And, and skating-wise as well, Like I, there's two development coaches that I like to shout out quite a bit because I, I personally saw the work that Mackenzie Braid, the skating coach, was doing with these players before and after practice. And it was a lot of hard work with a lot of video being done and some weird drills that I've never seen before for power skating. And and I got to give a shout out to him. And, and like I said, Beckenstein, the other, the video coach, who's done a great job as well. They do have some pieces out there to help these players like Jack Rathlin develop towards getting to an NHL level. But I, I think the thing that I want to see is like, we're going to see the same coaching staff back next year from what it sounds like. They're all under contract. But I want to see more Mackenzie Braids, more Ian Beckensteins. Like I want to see more development coaches out there to really make this into an, an organization like Jim Rutherford mentioned, where it should be, and it could be, one of the best in the AHL. It should be the Toronto Marlies out west. Like It should be the same amount of money being put into it because there's no salary cap in the AHL. You should be investing as much as you can so that players like Daniela Klinovic can work with whatever it is, nutrition, power skating, just strength and conditioning. Like Have all of the best coaches out here in Abbotsford and helping these guys give them the best chance to get to the NHL. Well, the bottom line is they got, you know, as, as much as I know uh, ownership would love to see wins and and uh, longer Calder Cup runs, I mean, the NHL club needs it to be a better development spot for the NHL team, as we talked about off the top. And hopefully that's the future of this thing. Uh, Faber, we uh, – oh, you were going to say something? 
Oh me? No, I'm good. I'm just I'm still trying to catch my breath a little bit. I'm being honest. <laughs> this guy, just looking at my phone like I, I couldn't hear you guys and I was like and then I looked at my phone and there's like a pool developing on it right now from the sweat, so I need to get <laughs> off this phone right now if I'm being honest. Uh we really appreciate your time, man. Uh maybe maybe have some more grape aloe vera like I heard you were doing on the weekend. Oh, you know what the worst part is? I left it in the 650 fridge. You guys can try it if you want there. It's in there for you. Uh, I think I'm good. It's a good segment. People love it. People love when you taste aloe vera drinks on air, on radio. It really hits. It's, uh, it doesn't do anything to the text inbox, that's for sure. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll stick to my espresso. Thanks for this, Faber. <laughs> All right, have a good one, guys. Uh, there is Chris Faber. Uh, you listen on the, the warm-up uh, during the weekends, uh, covering the Abbotsford Canucks like nobody else this year, and with some really interesting insights. You know, that's... It's good to hear they're investing in some of the coaching staff, how to help these players. You know, like the Klimovich thing. Look, he was a second-round pick, and at the time, a lot of people thought it was a bit of a reach. Not a huge reach, but, you know, you saw a ton of raw talent at the U18s last mm-hmm. year, and you're like, we're going we're gonna to take a shot on this guy. And he comes into the AHL as an 18-year-old. I mean, it's not a huge track record of 18-year-olds in the A, but, you know, you look at a Cole Perfetti, who was a first-round pick this year. He ended up close to a point per game. Um, William Nylander, who we talked about earlier in the show, was damn near a point per game as an 18-year-old in the AHL. A few years back, Philip Heedle, who we've talked about a lot on the show in the AHL, had 31 points in 46 games as an 18 year old. Quinton Byfield was 20 and 32 as an 18 year old in the A. So, you know, Klimovich, not that his production was way off that, but he played a lot more games 18 in 62. So, you know, there's just a, there's just a long way to go. You know, I, I, I know the focus is on he didn't play in those two playoff games and how can you not get mm-hmm. the, the, the prized young prospect some, some playoff experience. At the same time, you know, there, there's a real debate of whether or not he was ready for this AHL opportunity this year. Well, with him, that's why, I mean, there are a few different things at play here. Um, context does matter greatly. And with him, you have to take that into consideration, him being 18. And, you know, the Canucks were in a position where they had just drafted Vasily Colson and saw him spend two years in the KHL before they could even bring him over. And they wanted to get clarity on Klimovich as soon as possible. I think that played a part into him, you know, signing and coming over as well, of course. And you got to be patient through this entire process. And sometimes we sit here and say, hey, you got to play the young guys more. And sometimes the best thing for them is take a step back. I mean, the Cole Lynn stuff a few years back, he was healthy scratch in the first half of the year. And I remember hearing from the team, and Ryan Johnson talked about this, he, he wasn't strong enough. He was struggling with confidence, and he was struggling on the ice. And it was, there was a, they were doing him a disservice by playing him, they thought. Yeah. Take a step back. Let's work on your strength. Let's take a couple weeks. And by the end of the season, he was back playing good hockey and being productive. To me, that's development. You took him, took him back. He worked on some stuff. He got better. And he was a better player by the end of the season. But obviously, they haven't been able to do that enough. They haven't had enough players. So how much of this is they don't have good enough players for them to develop and they're doing the best they can with it and their approach is wrong with it? Because when I look at the Klimovich one, and as much as Trent Cull's history is not great and I'm fine with making a coaching change in the AHL level, 
I don't know if you can blame him for not playing him if he's not ready yet. Yeah. I mean, he's 18. He may not be ready. I mean, yeah. He may need to take it slow, and that's okay as long as you're doing the right thing. The issue here is people don't have a lot of confidence to assume or give the uh, benefit of doubt to them yeah. having done the right thing, so to speak. A lot of... Uh... A lot of interesting thoughts coming out of the Abbotsford season. We hope uh, to connect with Jack Rathbone over the next couple of days. They will have uh, some player availabilities tomorrow for the Abbotsford Canucks. So be on the lookout for that on Canucks Central. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited. Your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. So uh, we talked about Chris Faber's uh, inconvenience, minor inconvenience earlier. Minor, very minor. Uh, Sat came into the show today fuming. Very flustered. Over a minor inconvenience that has been... Happening to him for the last week. Pre-ordering stuff. Your mobile order, Starbucks order, does not work doesn't anymore. Work. My app doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so I can no longer pre-order anything. And because of, you know, because of like our schedules and yeah. getting in, sometimes you know you pre-order. So by the time you get to the store, you pick it up and come into work or yeah. whatever. So I can't. The app doesn't work for me anymore. So I've, you, I've you asked. You can't get your eggnog frappuccino in the middle of. I, uh... It's an oat latte. Okay. <laughs> So I can't get my oat latte as conveniently as I'm used to. And it's been very frustrating. It's flustered me because, like I said, it's part of my routine. I come in. I put the order in before I leave the house. So by the time I get here, pop in, grab it, head into work. Super easy. So you have to add like an extra five minutes to your commute because. Extra, I got to account for an extra 10 minutes or yeah. so. Because you never know when it gets busy, yeah. right? And sometimes when you're asking for like, you know. A drink that's just not pouring coffee may take a little while or whatever. So it's throwing my routine off yeah. really like really bad. Like today, I was shook. I got in here like three minutes before the show because my routine was all messed up. Because <laughs> the mobile order will not I work. Get, it doesn't work Can't anymore. Can't get your oat milk, oat milk no. latte on the mobile order. Right. Um, but I mean, and people say, hey, go elsewhere. I'm like, sure, but it's not like you have tons of options. <laughs> it, it, it really comes down to where you work and where yes. you're at. You get off the SkyTrain, you step in, and you're like, ah, my oat milk latte's ready. It's not too hot. I'm I'm ready to go. Precisely. Give your little wave to the, the barista. Yeah. I mean, like, the Whole Foods coffee place closes early. The blends shut down. There's another place that's nice, but don't make the oat latte that I like. So it's like, I have limited options. Okay. Like I said, a minor inconvenience. Uh, let's bring in our next guest, Don Taylor. Uh, Donnie, how often do you mobile order your Starbucks? Uh, I have trouble like answering the phone. <laughs> and, like, like, come on, it's just not going to happen. I have yet to do it. Honest to gosh, I don't. Know, I just don't think it's that big a deal to stand in line. I, I don't know. I guess I, I've done it all my life. So what the heck? You know. You know what this is? Is also a sign, Donnie, of me getting a little bit older as well. Because as soon as change comes into my life unexpectedly, <laughs> I don't deal with it very well. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm the same way. This is. Just I would rather stand in line the rest of my life than take five minutes out to learn how to do this. <laughs> that's, that's the first sign of getting old. Uh, amazing. So uh, it was. Uh, it's been an interesting day in the hockey world. Obviously, um, 
know, nobody expected Barry Trotz to to come available, but I know uh, you and Rick were talking about it yeah. today. It, it still sounds as though things are progressing in a, a positive direction towards Bruce Boudreaux remaining the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. I guess the the, the wonder I have is. Does Barry Trotz becoming available maybe change some minds on that? Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, there's, there's so many connections, you know, with, with, with sports, and oftentimes that's who gets the job. And I don't really see a connection between Rutherford, Alvin, and Trotz. Having said that, the guy is very well respected. Uh, you know, uh, in the end, wasn't, uh, at least this past year, wasn't a fit with the Islanders, but I just, it looks more and more guys like it's going to be, mm-hmm. it's going to be Bruce Boudreau agreeing to stick around for at least, at least one more year. And then Barry Trotz being from Manitoba, being a Prairie boy, I can see him ending up in, in, in Winnipeg, but the, the speculation is fun and uh, certainly would be a different type of coach versus Bruce Boudreau. But uh, Boudreau has been in on meetings this weekend with the mm-hmm. Canucks. So that's a, that's a sign that, uh, He's going to be sticking around. Why would you have him in those meetings if uh, if he wasn't? Maybe he's the only guy that could order them a mobile milk uh, latte. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm going to say he probably isn't. Probably not the guy. Probably not that guy. But, you, you know, because I, I was looking at the situation, too, and I think Barry Trotz becoming available, and this is assuming he wants a coach somewhere next season. If that's the case, it makes it more likely that Boudreaux comes back because all Barry Trotz does is take up a spot that may have been a potential destination for Boudreaux because the the Islanders aren't hiring Boudreaux if they're making a, when they're making a hire for their position. Yeah, I, I I I can't I can't see that, and it just you know like I I wanted to get you know the ball rolling with Rick today, and but he he was adamant that you know no this is this is just not going to happen, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, but it is interesting just how many sp- spots are open. We you know we think Vegas, Philadelphia. I mean, we don't know about Vegas for sure, but Vegas, Philadelphia, or Winnipeg, um, Islanders now, uh, Vancouver. I would think that if Boudreaux does leave, that he very well could, does doesn't stay unemployed for very long. It's really, really, really interesting, and you know the season is not over yet. So uh, I know um, you know here in Vancouver, anybody would just. Uh... Love to see a Stanley Cup, no matter what. But you know, if you had a team like you know Barry Trotz coaches ultra defensive style, uh, the the way the Dallas Stars are beating the Calgary Flames right now, like, do you want a, a winning team to also be exciting, Donnie? Because that's that's been the case here in Vancouver when they've had good teams. You know, they've also been really exciting with the Sedins or the Russian Rocket. Eighty two, uh, from from what I've been told, was just a lot of fun with given the Cinderella story that it was. So, yeah. you know, it does it have to be an exciting team to be uh here in Vancouver as well? Well, eighty two wasn't a, a super exciting team. But I think everybody was excited for them to, uh to be there. Look, I, I've been watching this team since nineteen seventy. I don't care how they win. I just want to <laughs> see it before it ends. Okay. So so there's that. I if they win it and it's the most hockey you've ever seen i'm 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 fine with, with that there's an infamous story uh a, a reporter uh met roger nielsen right after this is i'm going back to 82 and i apologize for that guys but but the point is that nobody really cared because people were excited about the canucks going to the uh to the stanley cup reporter says to roger nielsen after the game roger nothing happened in that game because it was just so locked down so defensive and Roger Nielsen, the late great Roger Nielsen statue outside Rogers Arena, uh, says to the reporter, "Yeah, wasn't it great?" 
And all he cared about was winning one nothing. <laughs> so I, I don't. I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, the Beret team, the Sedins team, love to see them win. But I'm at a stage now. I think a lot of people in this town, in Canuck mm-hmm. Nation, anywhere, at a stage now, will will take will take you know the most boring team in the world. But if they're raising their cup at the end of the, the postseason, that's just fine. Just win. That's that's, that's the only thing yeah. that matters. Find a way to win consistently and. You know, ultimately, what they have to do is just make the on ice product better. And we spend so much time talking about coaching. And you know, you mentioned Kuzmenko and Boudreaux being in on those meetings with the team and them trying to woo the Russian free agent who's able to sign a one-year entry-level contract. I mean, we're not quite sure what he's going to end up being when he signs or if he does sign here in Vancouver. But Dan and I were talking about this a bit earlier. What he can do and provide for you, though, if he can, you know, be productive as a top nine player on a cheap one-year contract. It makes it a bit easier for this team to maybe try to offload a player in their top six and create a little bit of flexibility. And in the meantime, maybe have a guy that can give them some of that offense still for next season. I think you take a shot. I think you're in a position where you got, you got to, if somebody like that wants to come here and, and, and feels he can help and they, they think it's worth a shot, I think you got to eat the Canucks are in no position to say no to somebody who wants to come here who's not going to cost them much. I think you, you have to take a shot on a guy like that. Sometimes it, it works out. Sometimes it's Fabian Brunstrom, like it just it, who didn't sign with the Canucks, but he didn't have a great. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember him. Oh, but, I remember but, Fa- yeah. Fabian Brunstrom. I mean, I, didn't he score a hat trick his first game for um, the Stars? Yeah, it was just Dave Nonis was out yeah. from heavily mid two thousands, and uh, he ends up picking. It was just so Canuck. He, he ends up picking Dallas, and in his first game, he gets a hat trick. I think all three goals went in off shin pad. But it was just it was it was just so Canuck at all. This guy's going to be a star, and they blew it. And turns well, out his career wasn't that wasn't that great. You know, you know, the funny thing about that, you just brought it up, and and I think if I'm not mistaken, and if I am mistaken, believe me, people will let me know yeah. on the text inbox. Yeah, you know how it goes. I know. But yes, I think what happened was Nonus was wooing him and trying to sign him over, and the Canucks fired Nonus at the end of the season and hired mm-hmm. Mike Gillis, and Gillis was like, "Yeah, we don't care about this guy as much." And right. like, and I think at that point he was like, "Um, yeah, I think they." He was wanting to come to Vancouver, and the coach when the GM change happened, and I think at that point, especially the hat trick gets scored, it's like Mike Gillis, he screwed it up. Look at this guy yeah. coming in and and not wanting this guy, but ultimately, it didn't work out. Yeah, like why would you want to come to an organization if they seem to be in disarray and yeah. you know, miss the playoffs, and they've got themselves a new GM, and this isn't the guy who originally wanted me. So I think you're right with, with, with that set, but for that one night, it certainly was very <laughs> yeah. connect with this guy that they pursued, not going and not signing with them and then getting a hat trick in his in his first game. As it turned out, it, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. <laughs> he had seventeen goals in that rookie season, uh, but uh only yeah. played uh, forty nine NHL games after that rookie season. So uh Yeah. 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 Bit of a strange one. Well. Uh with Fabian Brunch from Don Taylor uh joining us. Donnie and Dolly uh Monday through Friday, ten to noon on Czech T V. So uh I, I'm having an internal battle a bit, uh, Donnie, with these playoffs because you know I've I've been watching and last couple of years, you know, it's like, well, they got to call more penalties in the playoffs. Guys get away with far too much. You got to let McDavid and and these guys, you know, be able to to do what what makes them the superstars of the league in the playoffs. Um, and and here we are, and th- now the refs are calling all these things. And I think it's gone too far. Like, now there's too many power plays in the playoffs. Um, how do you feel about it? it you know, I just, uh, like, whether it's too many power plays, and there have been, you know, I, I, five on five on this sports setting. 
So there's, there's that, you know, but whether it's, it's, um, they're, they're calling too many power plays and, 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 you know, the, there's the amount of goals being scored. I love the way the series have gone. I mean, it uh, looks like, uh, you know, tonight Pittsburgh's going to go up three, one, but the series are close, but the games haven't been close. I think, uh, of yeah. the first 28 games, 13 were decided by four goals or more. That's a lot. And I think, uh, 18 were decided by three goals or, or more. That, that also is a lot. That speaks to all the power plays we've seen. And, you know, I, I I'm, you know, the word power play sounds great. I don't think it makes for the best hockey. No. So uh, I, I'd rather see some sort of happy medium where, yeah, you're calling stuff that should be called and, and, and go from there. But I don't, I don't think power plays make for great, make for great hockey. And this opening round has been good, but certainly not great. And that's part of it. Are you rooting? I mean, we know we always root against the Toronto Maple Leafs in this market, but is there a team you're rooting against or you find yourself rooting for unexpectedly so far? Well, um, you know, I, I, I coach at Port Moody Minor, uh, Port Moody uh, uh, Amateur Hockey Association. So I always have a soft spot for Ryan Johansson and, and, and the Nashville Predators. That's not going to happen. And that's, that, that's clearly, it's clearly not going to happen. I, I would like to see Calgary get in. Um, just, uh, I, I always, again, I have a soft spot for Calgary, lived in Alberta for a few years. So, so, so there's that. I, I've always been a big, big fan of Chris Tanev and the underrated way he plays hockey. So that, yeah, I, I, I definitely like that team, but yeah, there's, there's nobody that I, I want to get in less than the Leafs. But again, it's not because of the Leafs. It has to do with, with some of the coverage. I don't want to rip into sports that here. I realize I'm on 650. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but uh, that, that would be number one on my list. But I, I've always had a, spot, a soft spot for Nashville and, and certainly Calgary as well. I mean, Calgary, they they got to figure out how to get their stars to score. You know, Matthew Kachuk is – everybody he's says – on the ice. Yeah, th- this guy is like he's, he's supposed to be able to perform in the playoffs. His game will translate. He's a playoff hockey type of player. I mean, guys, guys, ghost in the playoffs. John Klingberg's in his head, Donnie. I mean, come on. Of all the players to let get in your head, John Klingberg? Like, how did this happen? Matthew Kachuk's got to get his head on straight. Yeah, we need you on the ice, Matthew. Hey, we love the way you play. We love that you don't take no crap from anybody. Great. But just, you know, zip it, control your emotions, and maybe when the time is right, go, go after John Klingberg. Sure, but not right not in the middle of a series that you're behind or that you're having a real tough time with against the team that you should beat. I, I just it's just, just so weird. Like right off the bat, two games, you're going after John Klingberg. Klingberg, I love him as a player. You're you're actually like thinking you're accomplishing something. And Klingberg's a really good player, but it's not a good trade. It's not it's not a good trade for the Flames. Kachuk for for uh, Klingberg. Dallas yeah. will take that any day. Yeah, any day of the week. Uh, Donnie, we uh, appreciate the time as always. Uh, when you figure out that mobile order, let us know, okay? <laughs> okay, that'll be when I'm retired. <laughs> I'll get Thank- right on that. Thanks, Donnie. Thanks, guys. Uh, there is uh, the great, the legend, Don Taylor, joining us here uh, on Canuck Central. Um, I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that Don Taylor couldn't uh, or isn't a regular mobile order type pl- person. Yeah, you know. It's one of those things. It is life changing. Like once you start it, it's one of those things that you're just never going to stop doing. Well, it be- it becomes like you can because I'm big on kind of planning out my day, not yep. you know insanely, but I like to have a general idea. Okay, this time I leave this is what I do. So when you can get stuff figured out ahead of time, yeah, and set it up, it just makes it 
really, really convenient. It's uh, it's also nice when you don't have to go to like the register and ask for all like the the random things you might want in your drink. Yeah, you know? I mean, you, you do it like anonymously. <laughs> Can I get a triple shot of espresso over ice with a pump of vanilla free, uh, like no sugar vanilla syrup? Instead, they just make fun of you when they see the order come in, but you're not there. <laughs> yeah, so you're not there to see it in their eyes. Yeah. The disappointment. <laughs> they, you'll see it a bit, but you just grab your drink and leave. Yeah, you keep your head down. You just walk up to the counter. <laughs> yeah, mobile order for Dan. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Good. Yeah, and then yep. they read out your whole order. Everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. Like, we got to make sure everybody knows this is a jackass. <laughs> Sweet foam, half, uh, half fat, skim. Stop it. Yeah. Well, it's like, I remember I, I saw one, one of my buddies once, he had this dumbest order. He said, I, I want frothy, but not foamy. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? You're confusing these poor people. What does that even mean? I want frothy, but not foamy. It's the same thing. What are we talking about here? <laughs> frothy, not foamy. I, I think there's a difference. I, I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. I think froth is denser. Uh, are you a mobile order guy, Josh? Yeah, but I, I don't go to Starbucks that often because of working in radio. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll mobile order like a Tim's or McDonald's iced coffee on my way in. Oh, yeah. they have that? Yeah. I guess they do. I don't know. Yeah. They got to keep up with the times. I uh, I got to be honest. I'm like Peter in Cloverdale, though. Old man text, you don't waste money on a latte every day. I don't do it every day. Yeah. No, you don't. Not every day. But some days. It depends on, you know, how much I need. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I am like that with so many things. It's it's unbelievable. Like, if I'm going to a restaurant, like, let's say I'll go to an Italian restaurant. They better be making something that I'm not likely to make at home. Yeah. Know? Because I'll see, like, spaghetti carbonara on, on, the, on a menu somewhere, and it'll be, like, $25. It's like, I don't need to do that. <laughs> I'm like... I can make this at home for five bucks. Why? why? So yes, I've gotten very old man like that in yeah. in the things that I know that are simple to make, and I go to a restaurant and they charge over twenty dollars. Like, hey, you do you, right? Other people are buying it. I'm not. No, nah, it's just not going to happen for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm that guy now. So, Peter yeah, and Cloverdale, you, you are that guy, pal. We're we're buds. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, it's time to take a look at some of the games that are happening later on tonight. Bet on hockey like never before with Play Now Sports, your local BC sports book. As let's take a look, the Flames are going to be up here on Sportsnet 650 coming up at 6:30, and the Colorado Avalanche tried to eliminate the Nashville Predators. They are a big favorite on the road, paying just one three nine on the money line over at BCLC and PlayNow.com. Preds are over three on the money line. Meanwhile, the Flames, still heavy favorite despite being down in the series, as uh, they are kind of in must-win territory. 162 on the money line, 235 for the Dallas Stars. What are you looking at tonight at playnow.com, Seth? Well, uh, so looking at that game, uh, so yes, there is a little bit of juice there on the Dallas Stars. If you think the Stars can not only win this game, but it puts them in a position to win the series, this might be the best time for you to get some odds on winning the series. It's 2.0 to bet on the Dallas Stars to win this series here tonight. If so they win tonight's even game. even money for the team that is up 2-1 in the series. Yeah, you don't get that very often. No. And they're at home tonight. Yep. 
for game four. Very have good home chance. advantage. Yes. And you're getting even money on the series. I I got to think Calgary's going to snap out of it at some point. Especially Matthew Kachuk. I am uh, going to plug my nose. And as much as I've ripped Matthew Kachuk over the weekend, and even on today's show, because I don't like the way that he's played, I think, honestly, your team does not need you to go chasing around John Kligberg. They need you to score a goal. Mm-hmm. It's pretty obvious, Mr. Kachuk. Uh, but you get him at 250 to score for the Calgary Flames tonight. I'd like a little bit better odds on that, but um, he's bound to break through at some point. I think uh, Kachuk and the Flames get the win. I'm taking any time goal scorer, Matthew Kachuk. I, I mean, I don't mind that tonight, especially with the way Matthew Kachuk needs to come out and play. Um, man, on the over, though, over, under, total goals, under 5.5 is 1.8. Over 5.5 is 2.05. You're getting oh, you're getting plus money on the overs. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. That's how low scoring this series has been. Uh, it's kind of crazy, but a lot of the overs have hit in this, uh, this yep. postseason, especially because of all the power plays, and we'll see how that plays out tonight. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, you are listening to Canuck Central.